Hey, good morning. My name is David. I'm one of the pastors here. Very glad to see everybody here today on this uh, beautiful, cloudy, uh, with a little bit of precipitation happened. Isn't that awesome? In September at that. That's amazing. So we praise God for that. And um, yeah, before we open up the, the scriptures today, I want to I just want to, um, once again, encourage you as we come up to next week to our Baptism Sunday um, that uh, it'll warm up again. So we're going to do a med down at the river, so, and the water's always warm at this time of year down in the American River. So, um, but, you know, baptism is this outward expression of the transformation that Jesus has done. There were two things that Jesus left for us, to remember his death and his resurrection, the very central thing to the gospel. And one of those is communion, of which we celebrate usually um, the first Sunday of, the, of each month. Uh, that piece of bread broken representing Jesus' body, the, the cup representing his blood that was shed for us so that we could be made whole. But then there's baptism. The, the baptism, the image there is going under the water of death uh, to old self and coming out of the water of being cleansed and coming to new life. Um, and it is, a, it is a, again, it's that outward expression of what God has done in our life. And, um, and so when we come to faith, you know, Jesus says, repent, you know, believe and be baptized. Uh, that is a part of the journey of following Jesus. And sometimes, you know, people have been baptized when they're children or when they're young and that they've walked away from the Lord for a period of time, they've come back. And, you know, baptism is an appropriate expression of that line in the sand that I'm following Jesus. And so if you are interested or you want to talk about baptism, we would love to connect with you. We would love to have the opportunity to um, celebrate that with you. And, again, we do it at the river at least once a year, um, uh, usually in September. Uh, we also have a portable one that we're able to do. Um, so we would love, but we would love to, to celebrate that with you. You can use that welcome card that's in the chair in front of you. Just mark on there that you're interested in baptism, and we'll get, um, get back to you and touch base with you and talk to you about that. So let's pray together as we open up God's Word. Jesus, thank you so much for today. Um, thank you for the blessing of the rain, of the gift that you gave us, of that precipitation the reminder in your word that rain is a symbol of your spirit falling upon us. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that in here, in this place, in this time, that the, the rain of your Holy Spirit would fall upon us, that we would hear from you, that we would be shaped and transformed by you and your word and your truth as we encounter um, Scripture today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So how are you feeling today? Seriously, how, how, how are you, how in touch are you with how you are feeling today? If you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to the book of Philippians uh, in the New Testament, Paul's, um, Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, in Philippians uh, chapter 1. And in Philippians chapter 1, as Paul begins his letter of greeting to the Philippian church, we see these words of Paul expressing his heart, his love, his connection to this group of people in the city of Philippi. And the whole area, we're going to be talking today about what grounded emotions look like. We're going to be talking about how God has created us as emotional beings. 
And when I sort of did a, a, an overview of the, the different things we're going to look at, I referred back to the Reformation, which is sort of the, the, the line in the sand for and created the Protestant movement of Martin Luther's work. And that there's a lot of good that the Reformation obviously came out of, of a devotion and dedication to God's Word and to knowing God's Word. There's an emphasis in the knowing and the thinking, but also almost it seems a de-emphasis in this very essential thing we're going to look at of how we were created as emotional beings. And I want to look at Paul's words in Philippians 1. And just as I'm reading these uh, scriptures, just take a, um, try to notice the emotional words or the words that express Paul's emotion, the things that he is feeling to these people he's writing to. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus, who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Did you catch any of the weight of Paul's heart connection with those that he was writing to. I thank my God. You know, thankfulness, gratitude is an emotional response to the world around us. With joy, I am sure of this. I feel this way. I hold you in my heart. How I yearn for you all with the affection that is found in Christ Jesus. You know, uh, we, we sang this morning one of my favorite songs, the song, King of My Heart. It was written by John Mark McMillan and his wife, Sarah, and, and it has this very, you know, r- repetitive you know, chorus to it, is that you're never going to let me down. You're never going to let me down. And, and there's just very powerful words within this song of a, of a reminder within worship of the faithfulness and the goodness of God in our life. But let's be honest, has anybody here ever experienced anything where you have questioned whether God has let you down or not? Yeah. I mean, if we, if we are honest, we have gone through painful, we've gone through difficult things, and we're like, what? What is that about? What was going on with that? And, and there are some versions of this that that's the only part of the song that they don't include the last part of the song, which I think is essential, particularly as we talk today about grounded emotions, where, where John Mark McMillan and his wife Sarah write, when the night is holding on to me, God is holding on. And when the night is holding on to me, God is holding on. You see, within that, those succinct few words, the expression of, oh, (laughs) wow, God is good, God is faithful, I am 
struggling. And they come together in the paradox of faith and the tension of faith that we live. Now, there's a problem with emotions, and some people say, yes, there is a problem with emotions. Okay. And the problem with emotions is sort of this spectrum of, of emotion. So on one side, of the, one end of the spectrum is, is that there's not enough feeling. Right? There's, there, there are those who are like, are, are, are you alive? Are you, is anybody there? What's, you know, what's going on? That you try to get any expression out of them, and you're like, what's happening? Then there's the other side of the spectrum. The other end is, is it too much feeling? It's like, woo! It's like the roller coaster, right? It's like, woo! You know, highs and lows and highs and lows. It's like, whoa! You know what? I don't, I'm not going to get on that roller coaster. I don't even want to be in the park, Right? I'll watch from, I'll, I'll hear the screaming out on the streets. As we've been going through this series of Grounded, the, the imagery that I've been giving you is, is one of the pendulum swing. Is a reminder that living a godly life, being sanctified, being a faithful follower of Jesus is not about finding this perfect center, of finding this place where everything lines up and everything's perfect and I need to live in that place. And if I'm living in that place, then I'm good with God. But recognizing that that's not the way life works. Ecclesiastes 3 is an expression of that wisdom. Is that there is a pendulum swing that all of us are in, in our lives. And it goes from good to bad. It goes from happy to sad. It goes from one thing to another thing. And that that is the way that we live life. And that godly wisdom is the righteous application of the knowledge of God, the knowledge of ourself in, in our experience to how we are thinking. And today we're going to talk about how we are feeling and how we are acting. And when we have that that righteous application of that knowledge of God, ourselves, and our experience to how we're thinking, feeling, and acting, when we do that well, then, then we have flourishing relationships. We have flourishing relationship with God, we have flourishing relationship with ourselves, and we have flourishing relationship with each other. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. It's the greatest commandment. And the second is equal to this. Love your neighbors yourself. So, each and every one of us is fearfully and wonderfully made. That, that you are not a mistake. That God has shaped you and created you as a human. And so, when it comes to emotions, that's still true, right? So, what are emotions? Now, We've talked about this, that um, we are different than our brain, okay? So there's a difference between our mind and our brain. So our brain is that organ that's between your ear and ears, and actually what scientists have found is, is that you actually sort of have three brains. If you look at a brain being where neuronal connections are taking place, most of them are happening between your ears, but there's also neuronal connections happening in your heart, and there's ha neuronal connections happening in your gut. 
So is that, you know, that we have that gut sense, or my heart isn't in it, or I don't think that's right. You know, those are three expressions of what is going on there, of those neuronal connections. And within those neuronal connections, there's different chemicals that are flying through your body and through your brain. So there's the thing of dopamine, and dopamine is sort of the reward chemical that happens in your brain. When you do something that is fun or you do something that uh, is rewarding, personal rewarding, when you accomplish a goal, something as simple as anybody here list people? Anybody here list people, you know, things you need to do? Okay, so you make a list, and when you mark that, that one thing off, your brain gets a dopamine hit. You're like, yeah, baby, yeah. So if you want a simple you know, thing to feel better, make a list, even of things you've already done, and start marking them off. You'll feel better. You will. Because your brain's like, I accomplished something. That's a reward chemical. And then there's oxytocin. Oxytocin is the, the warm, fuzzy chemical, right? It's the thing when, that when you have affection, when Paul talks about the affection he has, he's talking about the oxytocin chemicals that are going through his body. When a mother gives birth to a baby, her, her body is flooded with oxytocin. And when that, that, that baby is breastfeeding or when, it, when there's skin-to-skin contact, there's floods of oxytocin. It connects the mother to the baby. When you hold hands and you feel that literally the warm fuzzies, that's chemical reaction that's going on. This God created is to connect you to another person. And there's acetylcholine. Acetylcholine is, is a chemical that's connected to strong memories. We just celebrated 9-11. How many people can remember where you were and what you were doing in intimate detail when you discovered that planes were flying into the World Trade Center? There was a chemical that was released in your brain, oxycodoline, that is connected to your brain into the filing system that makes that come alive. And serotonin, which is connected to whether we feel happy or sad with depression. So a lot of uh, depression medication is connected to working with serotonin, the chemicals in our brain. And norepinephrine is, or adrenaline. It's like when we, when we, get, we get excited or when we get built up or when we experience fear, this adrenaline comes in or we, when we come under stress. All of those things are chemicals that are happening in our brain and they are triggering emotions. There are emotions that are tied to each of those things. And then there's this thing called the autonomic nervous system. I sort of call it, refer to it sometimes as the automatic nervous system. And there, there's two parts to it. The sympathetic, which is reacting to the world around you, and that's the stress response. It's when you are going to fight or flee. It's when you imagine that you have a mountain lion running behind you when you're out on the trail. And it's not there, but your brain thinks it is, and you go into the stress response, and your body is flooded with adrenaline. Or when a coworker looks at you funny and you think that they're mad at you, the sympathetic nervous system kicks into gear, and you go, adrenaline floods into your body, and there's all kinds of physical things that are happening and emotional things that are happening. But then there's also the parasympathetic, which is the rest and digest. It is where learning takes place. It's where openness to new experiences, where peace happens. And sort of the, the opposite side of the sympathetic. All of those things trigger emotions within us. Another thing that scientists have discovered about our brain is, is that our brain is a pattern-matching machine. 
is that the experiences that we're having today that it's trying to make sense based upon it by experiences and emotions and thoughts it's had in the past. There's a a group of uh, guys um, who uh, would go backpacking into the desolation wilderness that I'm connected with. And and, uh, one of those is Matt Smith, and Matt has a son, Will. And a few years back, Will came on the backpacking trip with us. And so we were up in the desolation wilderness area, and um, as we're hiking along, Will starts calling me Uncle Dave. I'm like, what? And, and, he, and, and then he'd go, oh, Pastor Dave. And then he'd go, Uncle Dave. And then he goes, Pastor Dave, Uncle Dave. And, and what was going on there for Will was is that when Will was backpacking with a group of guys in the past, it was with his family and his uncle. And this other weird guy in the mix, me, wasn't Pastor Dave, it was uncle, because his brain was matching a pattern from his past into his friend. And finally, I just told Will, I says, all right, for this trip, I'm Uncle Dave. Just let it go. Just, just, it, just go with it, man. Just go with it. The thing about emotions and how we are made is, is that the, the thing to remember, Dr. Susan David, neuroscientist, she says they're data, not directives. That when we experience emotion, they are data. They're telling us something about ourself and about the world around us. But they aren't directives in that we have to follow what we're feeling. And that's where we come into grounded emotions. If, if, if we're going to understand emotions, actually, it's fairly simple. It's, it's the, the scientific words are valence and arousal. So valence means is that you have emotions that are either pleasant to unpleasant, and they're all along the spectrum. And the other uh, spectrum is, is that they're either high energy or low energy. So if you think about four sort of boxes, four quadrants, of what you're gonna experience, and everybody experiences emotion this way. So if you have um, high energy and unpleasant, the highest level is enraged. A while back, there was somebody who threatened to kill my family. And my response was I was enraged. It was, it was a, and it was a viable threat. It felt very much like it was a viable threat. And I was enraged. I was very high energy, very unpleasant. It's a hard place to live. It's exhausting to live in that place. And then the, the other sort of side of that spectrum is peeved. If you're peeved, it's like, eh, peeved. But enraged totally different things, but in the, same, in the same box. Or if you have high energy and pleasant, you're ecstatic. You're ecstatic, like the way some of you feel when your football team or baseball team finally wins, like the Raiders did last week or something. Are there Raiders fans? I pick on the Raiders all the time. I don't know why. I'm sorry. Maybe. Um, so high energy, you're ecstatic. And then, you know, sort of the other side is, is it's just sort of pleasant. You know, it's like, hey, yeah, that's, that's awesome. And then there's low energy and unpleasant, and the, the, the furthest down in that box is despair when you're just like, you can't get out of bed. You can't get up. Or low energy and pleasant on the other side end of that spectrum is just you're drained. 
but it's low energy and unpleasant. And then low energy pleasant is serene. You're at peace. Man, this is like great. I just took a, um, took a little, little mental break and got on my motorcycle and went to the, to the coast and did a bunch of miles in a short amount of time. And it was just, just going on the mountain roads. It was just, it was just serene. It was, it was, it was wonderful. And then low energy pleasant at ease. So as, you know, different studies on this, if you look at it, in each of those boxes, each of those quadrants, there's 25 nuances of emotions. So 100 total different emotional expressions that you could have. Now here's something really important. Our emotions are an essential part of our createdness. Our emotions are an essential part of our createdness. And we cannot live whole God-honoring lives apart from emotional awareness and emotional engagement of ourselves and others. And emotions, they're, they're data, they're not directives, and they, can, they draw us closer to God and others, or they put a wedge. Anybody ever had a wedge <laughs> put in because of emotional life, yours or another person's? So how do we have grounded emotions? How do we experience if we are living in the reality is that we are emotional people, that we live in the pendulum swing of those emotions, and that the, the idea is not to, to be flatlined into the middle, but to recognize that those emotions are a part of our life, that that's what it means to be created in the image of God, how do we ground them? Well, one is to go from dead to alive. In Joel chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, the prophet Joel writes these words. He said, Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Did you catch a little bit of emotional impact weight of that? And the prophet Joel is saying, Rend your heart, you know, open up your heart. Go from, from being dead of, 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 elsewhere it says in, in Scripture that God takes the heart of stone and he puts it in a heart of flesh. To not feel is to be dead. To not feel is to be dead, whether it's emotionally, spiritually, or ultimately physically. If you're not feeling, if you're not breathing, you're dead. So what is it that affects our emotional expression and response? What is it that, because we all know people with on that spectrum, right? We know people who are like, whoa, living the, living the, uh, that, that ride, and you're like, I don't want to be on there. Then you're like, are, are you alive? Are you, you know, is there anything there? Hello? Anybody home? So what affects our, you know, part of it is just personality. And what I find is, is that God, in his unique sense of humor, puts you know, these very different people together and says, hey, figure it out and live together and love each other, right? And understand each other. And it's Peter who says, husbands, live in an understanding way with your wife. You know, part of that is, is that what's this personality of this person? But also, it's culture and family and training. 
Anybody who's ever seen um, images in the Middle East of those who have been mourning recognize that there's a cultural expression of what it means to mourn in different parts of the world. For some, it's just there is no emotion. For others, it is like this, this total expression. In fact, in some cultures, they hire professional mourners to go with the, the funeral procession to express the emotion. And then also your family of, of how you were brought up, your training. You know, if you're, if you're depending upon a law enforcement officer or a military officer to come into a crisis situation where there's chaos all around or a, f a first responder, you don't want somebody who is riding the roller coaster, right? It's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe everything's going wrong. I don't know what to do with all this. So you don't want that person coming into the situation. You want a person who has been trained to evaluate, to, to step back from the emotion. Also, there, there can be a difference between men and women because men and women have different brains. And they have different, some different chemicals that are going on in, 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 in brains. The, the, you know, this is oftentimes been debated, but uh, there, there's empirical proof in, through research that, yeah, there's different chemical mixes of going on between men and women's brains. And you're going to react differently. And then also trauma. Anybody who's gone through trauma. It affects how you, how you experience emotion. So we go from dead to alive. We also go from reactive to responsive. For I wrote to you, out of much affliction and anguish of heart, and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you, Paul writes to the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians 2.4. It's an interesting passage because if you know anything about the church in Corinth, the church in Corinth is one of the more messed up group of people who tried to follow Jesus that we have record of. Well, there's probably some pretty good records, you know, in modern times. But within the scriptures, I mean, the, the, the Corinthian church, they were messy when he came. And they were in this, this context of, of massive sexual impurity and, and massive idol worship. I mean, there's all kinds of cultural pressure going on in multicultural setting. And there was a lot of conflict that was there. And Paul, he, he responds to this with his heart of emotion, with tears. And Paul wrote not in anger because and there were times where actually he was angry, you could tell, but he wrote in love. And I don't know if you've ever been um, wanting to express love to somebody, but it's come out as anger. Uh, when we were, uh, when my kids were younger, my parents had a cabin up in McCall, Idaho, and we'd go there for a couple of weeks. And we had this route that we would go um, to, you know, on 80 to, we'd stop in Sparks and then Winnemucca, we'd turn left at the end of the earth, which is where Winnemucca, if you keep going, you fall off. Um, and, you know, just sort of go to Idaho. Um, but in Sparks, we stopped at this gas station. It was sort of at the edge, you know, end of Sparks. And, and there was this hill behind the gas station. And we stopped in uh, this one time. And, um, and, and we have four kids. And anytime you have more than one kid, you're always going one, two, three, oh, four. One, two. And we were doing that, and it, I could only get to three. And Keenan had disappeared. 
And so we start, you know, sort of looking, and there's this hill. And I mean, Keenan was an adventurous, you know, young dyke at that point. He still is. And so I climbed up the hill, and there was sort of this flat. And as I get to the top of the hill, I see a car leaving over there. And I don't see Keenan anywhere. And then finally, you know, I'm calling him, I'm calling him. And then finally, there's, there's a big hill. He's, he's like halfway up the hill, up there. And so, you know, finally he hears me, comes down, and what did I do? I grabbed him in love and hugs and tears and, and said, I'm so glad you're safe. I said, no, what are you doing? Why are you going away without, you know, telling me where you're going? I mean, I was angry, right? Because I was scared. I was a scared. I was afraid. And it came out as, as a reaction because the emotion had me. Reaction is when emotion controls us. Response is when emotion informs us. Every one of us reacts. We do. We, you know, it's the sympathetic nervous system. It's, it's the way God has created us and wired us. But we do have the choice of being aware so that we can respond. Because emotions are data, they're not directives. The other thing to go is from narrow to wide. So, you know, I talked about a few messages back of how many emotions are there for men. Three, I'm good. What? I'm mad. You know, and I was joking around, sort of. But actually, the research has been done, and in, in that the, the number of emotions that a lot of people can name is about three or four. That's their vocabulary, emotional vocabulary. Narrow emotional experience comes from lack of awareness. Narrow emotional experience comes from lack of awareness. And experience and expression are two different things. I want to say this, okay? Because sometimes we think they're not expressing emotion, so they're unemotional. No, they can be extraordinarily emotional. They're just not expressing that emotion. And they can actually be very, somebody can be very aware of what they are feeling, but they're not expressing it. I remember reading a story about an undercover police officer who was working in narcotics. And it was like his last, he had one more thing and he was gonna go off of that assignment into a different assignment. And it was to set up a drug deal and to arrest this notorious drug dealer who was fairly violent. And he makes a meet, you know, it's at night. And the guy looks at him and says, you look like a guy that my brother went to high school with. And it was true. And he had enough emotional awareness to not have emotional expression that probably saved his life through his training in that situation. That he made a comment, deflected it, moved on. Wide emotional experience comes through awareness and vocabulary. And you see that in Scripture. You see David in the Psalms. You see Paul in his letters, that there is expression there. The, the other thing is go from fear to freedom. In John, 1 John 4.18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. 
And what I find is, is that, and, I, and I, I know this is true within myself, is that we can live in fear of emotions and fear of our emotions resulting in an incomplete life. So we can live in fear of emotion and live in fear of our emotions. And this can be really true within a married couple of, of seeking to understand or to grow in intimacy because emotional language is a part of developing intimacy. It's part of developing intimacy with God. It's part of developing intimacy within a marriage, within, within parenting, within other relationships. But if we're afraid of that, if we're afraid of the emotion, then we step away from it. We create a barrier. And, and when we're free to recognize and to acknowledge our emotional self and those of others, we're not controlled by those emotions, but we can be enriched by them. If you look at it this way, is, is that emotions are the seasoning, you know, the spices of connection, of intimacy. You don't want to always be putting habanero sauce on, you know, the, the, the connection, right? That's not going to be healthy. That's not going to be good in, in, in things. But you know what? Habanero sauce shows up. It does. It does. Because there's a pendulum swing. So how do we experience grounded emotions? Well, first thing is, is that if we're going to experience grounded emotions in the pendulum swing of those emotions as, as they go back and forth, is, is that one is that we have to wake up. You know, I, I think about Jesus in the garden, and in Mark chapter 4, 14, 37 through 38, um, Jesus says, and, and, and he came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. As I look at this, I think, you know, there's, there's a sense of wakefulness. Is, is that we need to be awake in life. And, and a lot of us can tend to sleep. And it might be because we just don't want to face what's going on. And I totally get it. The last two years, in particular, have been extraordinarily painful, extraordinarily difficult, extraordinarily stressful. Just in the overall global things that have been going on, but I know the, the life events that people have been walking through. And so we just say, you know what, let's just go to sleep. Let's just, let's just ignore it. And if you, if you want to go to, if you're going to wake up, one of the ways to wake up is to notice your self-medication tendencies. What is it that you do to feel better? Does it have the title of Amazon.com one click? Because by the way, that's a dopamine kick. They understand the way your brain works. Like clicking that one click, man, it's gonna be here. It used to be here the next day. What happened to that, right? Now you have to wait two to three days, sometimes five days to get your package. It helps you feel better. For some people, it is picking up the marijuana cigarette and smoking it because it makes me feel better. Or picking up the, the beer or the glass of wine or whatever it is because it makes me feel better. Well, is it really making you feel better or is it helping you to stay asleep? And then to name it, if you're going to have grounded emotions, you have to name the emotion. 
There's a, a great uh, app called the Mood Meter, so just Google it, just search on it. If you want to delve more deeply into your um, awareness, Download the, the Mood Meter app and begin to, to play with that. Check in with yourself three times a way. And, and here's the thing, is, is that I don't know is not an emotion. Just so you know, I don't know. That's not an emotion, okay? That's not naming something. In practice, as we practice naming what we're feeling, it creates awareness. And that awareness creates mastery in our life, and, and, and we will grow in that as we engage in it. The better you are able to name your emotions, the more you're able to have control over them versus them controlling you. Again, this is a neuroscience research base, is that if you name something, you have control over it. The bio, this is a biblical principle. It's why naming is so important in the Bible. Because in naming, it shows there's power over it. In your brain, when you name emotions, you gain power over it. And then to own it. If you want to have grounded emotions, you need to own your emotion. Have you ever heard the, the statement, no one makes you feel anything? Isn't that, don't you just want to slap them upside the head? Because it's usually the person who's like irritating the crap out of you at that point. It's like, you are making me feel mad. You are making me feel frustrated. No one can make us feel anything. That we are reacting to someone with beliefs that are triggering our emotional response. And you have to own your emotion. It's not somebody else's, it's yours. And then be curious. Be curious. Is the emotional response that you have, is it true? Now, here's the, real, here's the, the tension. The emotional response you have, it is real. It's real, right? I mean, what you are feeling, it is real. If you're feeling angry, it is real. If you're feeling exuberant, it is real. But is it true? What might be another perspective? Remember, data. It's data. It's not directive. And so asking that with curiosity, asking the question, what can I learn from this? What is God inviting me into in this emotional response that I'm having? And then to choose life. Choose life. Grounded emotions are things that we feel and are then able to respond appropriately to the why of what we are feeling. So we say, I'm feeling angry because I was afraid that car that drove away in that gravel parking lot had taken my son. Grounded emotions are things that we feel that are then able to respond appropriately so that I can hug and not yell at my kid to tell him how much I love him, right? Life-giving emotional expression, it honors ourselves and it honors others. If we have grounded emotions, it's going to honor ourselves, it's going to honor others. Ephesians 4, Paul says this in Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger and give no opportunity for the devil. Now, this does not mean, as married couples, that you never can go to bed until you resolve that argument. Sometimes you just need to go to sleep, Right? Okay? That's a misapplication of the biblical principle here. 
The important thing in this here is, is that Paul says you can be angry and you cannot sin. You can be angry. You can experience emotion and you don't have to follow it down a destructive path. That it can be constructive. Disintegrated emotions are things that we feel that result in us reacting and thinking and doing that is destructive to ourselves and destructive to others. That's how you can tell. Is this a grounded emotion? Is this something? What is it? Is it honoring to myself? Is it honoring to another? Is it destroying? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Being grounded is consistently living out of the love, the knowledge, the strength of Jesus. Living out of his presence in the overflow. Being grounded is to, to live wisely. So here's your wisdom exercise. We've been giving you an exercise each week. Your wisdom exercise is this, is to test your emotions. Number one, to name it. What are you feeling? So that question I asked you at the beginning, were you able to answer? What are you feeling? Just stop three times a day. You know, the first thing, when you wake up in the morning, at lunch, and at, at dinner. Name it. And then bring it into the light. Share that with somebody. Begin to develop your vocabulary. And surrender it to Jesus. Your emotions are not, they're, they're sort of amoral, right? It's what you do with them that determines whether it's going to be constructive or destructive. And so we invite Jesus into them. We surrender it to Jesus. And here's something really important. <laughs> this is really, it's always easier to tell other people what to do than to do it yourself. Just so I want you to know, okay? Sit with it. Particularly the hard emotions, you have to sit with it and invite Jesus into the midst of it. See, because you can't go around it, you can't go under it, you can't go over it. You can only go through it. And the one who can lead you through the Red Sea is the one who has the power to part it. The surrender prayer is the prayer that we are praying as we live a grounded life. Jesus, I surrender this emotion. I surrender this feeling to you right now. Come be with me, and I am going to follow you. And so the next time you <laughs> become aware, surrender that to Jesus. The good, the hard, the in-between. Jesus, I surrender this feeling to you right now. Come and be with me, and I will follow you. Next week, we're going to look at, well, what about grounded actions? Let's pray. Jesus, thanks so much that you are not afraid of our emotions. And thank you, Jesus, that you are vulnerable enough in the garden that you cried to your heavenly Father so passionately, so deeply that they came out as tears of blood. 
you pleaded, Father, take this cup from me. But not my will, it's your will. Lord, help us to live in the pendulum swing of all the emotions that we are feeling and experiencing in this world we live in, which is so messed up so often. And help us to see your faithfulness and your goodness and to live in that. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.